In Matthew chapter 26, verse 59, the Bible says, Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. You know, there's always been people in the world that would provide false witness. We see that in our world today, don't we? People identify their agenda, and they'll say anything it takes to support that agenda. What I want to do this morning is I want to look at the witness of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a faithful witness. He's a true witness. We can depend on the things that the Holy Spirit testifies. We're going to start here in John chapter 1 and read verses 5 and 6, or 4 through 6. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So I want to ask you today, what, what do you believe you know, we can ask that, con- that question in any context. Obviously, the context we want to think about today is, what do you believe in a spiritual context? In a religious context, what do you believe about God? Does God exist? Is He alive? Is He at work? Is He is in control as we prayed here this morning? Do we believe that? What about Jesus? Is Jesus the Son of God? Is Jesus the things that He claimed to be? Did Jesus die? Was He put in a grave and then come forth on the third day? Do you believe that? What about Scripture? Scripture makes some very bold claims. It claims to be the Word of God. Do we believe that? Do you believe that? What about the church? What do you believe about the church? Does the church matter? Does it matter if we come and worship God? Does it matter what we believe about that at all? In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus made this statement. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Now He's talking here to His apostles, right? And this is the promise that Jesus gives them. They don't have to try to figure out what to write in this book that we call the Bible Because they're guided by the Spirit. This is the promise that Jesus gives. 
And he says that that Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. Now notice, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The witness of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, the Apostle Peter makes this statement, According as His divine power hath given unto us, that us includes you and I, because we've got it right here, and I'm holding it in my hand today. And we have this by the power of God. And it gives us all things that pertain unto life, and godliness through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue. Second Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, For the time will come. For the time will come. They who? Who's they? The hearers. The people that read and hear the truth taught. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And so what's the alternative? We don't believe the truth. What are we going to believe? People are going to believe what they want to believe. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers. Please, preacher, tell me what I want to hear. And the world is full of people that will do that today. This is not new. And it's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. They heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they turn away from the truth. Is that you today? Is that me today? Can we be honest and objective as we consider the things that the Scripture teaches us here? Do we believe the truth? Do you believe the truth? Or have we been turned to fables? So I want to ask again, what do you believe? Why do you believe that? Whatever it is you believe, why? And I believe what we believe is exceedingly important. But I also believe that this is exceedingly important. Because if we don't know why we believe what we believe, then we're easily distracted. And we're easily turned away. And we very easily follow after those fables that the Apostle Paul talked about. But if we remember why we believe what we believe, that helps us. So, is the reason we believe what we believe because it sounds good? It tickles our ears? It makes sense to me? That's logical? Is that why we believe it? 
Is it because someone told us to believe it? You know, I have parents that I hold in the highest regard. I'm a parent. I hope my children hold me in the highest regard. But if my faith is based on what my parents told me, guess what? They're not here. Where does that leave us? When what we believe is based on what parents or preachers or anybody else has told us, we're in trouble, people, because they're not going to always be here. Not to mention the fact that people are just flawed. We're just flat wrong sometimes. We don't need to base the why of our faith on people. We need to base it on the evidence. Our faith needs to be based on the evidence that demands our faith. And the Holy Spirit is part of that evidence. And I want to look at the witness, the testimony of the Holy Spirit today. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul says, "...and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom." Well, why ever not? That's the logical thing to do, is to appeal to man's wisdom. That's what's going to make sense to the flesh. Why would he not preach based on that? Well, he tells us why. He preached in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It matters why we believe what we believe. In Romans chapter 1, in verse 20, the, the Bible says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now what's he talking about here? You know, when we talk about Christian evidence, we frequently talk about nature and the things that we can observe in nature that testify to the existence of God and to God's glory and to God's power. And nature is full of that testimony. That's what he's talking about here in Romans chapter 1. And we can ignore that testimony if we choose. There's a lot of people that do today. In 2 Peter 1 verse 19, the Apostle Peter says this, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto the light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So we can go to Scripture that was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And we find in those prophecies things about the coming Messiah. Not just one or two things, but hundreds of things. 
And Jesus fulfilled all of that. And that's what Peter's talking about. We have a more sure word of prophecy. So we have nature's testimony. We have the testimony of prophecy. But the Bible says repeatedly that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning is look at the testimony of a third witness. And that third witness is the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15 and verse 26, But when the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So I asked you the question earlier, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And that He, was, he died on a cross, He was put in a, a tomb, and that the stone was rolled away from the mouth of the tomb, and that Jesus came forth on Sunday morning, and that He's alive today? Do you believe those things? That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't even know about those events if the Spirit was not a witness to testify for you and I today of those facts. And we can examine those facts and we can decide, are we going to believe that or are we not? Are we going to reject it? Are we going to do what we want to do? Are we going to live our life the way that we want to live it? Are we going to accept that the Holy Ghost has testified to the resurrection of Jesus? 1 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul says, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. What? What's He revealed to us? Everything that we need to know. Remember what Peter said? Everything that pertains to life and godliness that's been revealed to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You know, God's ways are above our ways, and His thoughts are above our thoughts. We can't even fathom God. But the Spirit has revealed these things to us, to you and I today. He testifies of those things about God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. And we have His testimony that we can look at today, and we can evaluate it, and we can decide. I'm going to believe that testimony, or I'm going to reject it. 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of private interpretation. Now, listen up, folks. This is a very, very common problem in our world today when you go out and you talk to people about Scripture and they say, well, that's not what that means to me. We don't get to decide what it means. God's Word was written for a reason. 
He didn't give it to us just so we could decide what it means to me. And that's what Peter's talking about here. We don't just get to put our private interpretation on what Scripture means. It means what God intended it to mean. And so we have to figure that out and set what we think aside. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's like, okay, these guys got together and they, they wrote the Bible, but they just wrote what they wanted, right? No, that's not what they did. They wrote what God wanted. What did God want? He wanted to communicate to you and I. And what people have done is they've, they've taken God's Word and just decided it means whatever they want it to mean. If we do that, we ignore and deny the witness of the Holy Spirit. It's God's Word. It means what God wanted it to mean and what He wants it to mean. In Acts 5, the apostles were brought before the high priest. They were upset with these guys. They were turning the world upside down, the Bible says, with the preaching of the gospel. And the powers that be hated that. After this little exchange here in Acts 5, the Bible says that they sought a way to kill them. They wanted to get rid of them. They hated the truth. But this is what set them off. Acts 5 and verse 32, And he, we are His witnesses of these things. They're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And these Jews hated the truth. And they hated the witness of the Holy Spirit. And so also is the Holy Ghost a witness whom God had given to them that obey Him. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. You know, we're studying through the Gospel of John on, on Sunday evenings. John was there. He was a witness. He saw these things that happened in Jesus' life and in His ministry. But you know what? John did not have to rely on his memory when he was writing, did he? We'd be in a mess if, you, if I had to rely on my memory, wouldn't we? That's not what happened. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. And we don't need that now. We've got a full revelation right here. And we can take it anytime we want to 
and we can read God's revealed will for you and I. And the power of God is revealed in this Word just like it was to them in the spoke, with the spoken Word. And the Spirit is bearing witness of the th- to the things that God wants you and I to know. In Romans chapter 1, concerning His Son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. You know, it's been well said that if you want to stamp out Christianity permanently, then just bring us the bones of Jesus. Just bring them. It'll kill this deal. This deal will be over. But they can't. Because there are no bones of Jesus. And that's what he's talking about here. The resurrection of the dead is based on the fact that there's an empty tomb over there where they put Jesus. And the Holy Spirit testifies to that. Notice what he says in Romans 8. There's something else the Holy Spirit bears witness to. It says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. The Holy Spirit testifies on our behalf that we're heirs. We're adopted, and we're heirs. Isn't that amazing? Joint heirs with the only begotten Son of God. And the Holy Spirit testifies to that fact. First John 5, verses 9 through 10, makes a really important point. You know, we, we hear people all the time quote books and other people and on and on and on and on. And the implication of that is, is that we find those to be credible sources, don't we? We'll read a history book. And we think, well, I guess that's the way it happened. All the time, forgetting that the winners are the one that write the history book. And guess what? It's written from their perspective. This is different. This is different. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. Remember when the dove came down at Jesus, or the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove? 
after Jesus was baptized, God said, that's my son. That's my son. How do we know that? Well, John was there. John was there. But the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you and I. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Now notice, there's a difference in believing in God and believing what God says. The world's full of people that believe in God. But the list of people that believe what God said is much shorter. And that's what he's talking about here. We can either accept the witness of the Holy Spirit, and if we don't, we're calling God a liar. And good luck with that one. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. I hope that's not us today. So why does any of this matter? Why does it matter what we believe or why we believe it? Because John said in our opening reading in 1 John 5 and verse 4, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. So I want to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at this idea about overcoming the world. What does that mean? We know what the world involves. There's sin and temptation out there, isn't there? It afflicts us. It bedevils us. What, the, I don't know, there's probably not a strong enough word to describe. But that's what's out there in the world. And that's what John's talking about when he says you can overcome that. That can be overcome. What about pain and heartache? We can't escape it. We're going to have it. But we can overcome it. Sickness and death. Is anybody here that doesn't believe we're going to eventually die? Have to be pretty blind if you believe that. Because unless the Lord returns, we're going to all die. But it can be overcome. We can't escape it, but we can overcome it. And as we summarize the world, it's just the weakness of the flesh. That's what is before us that we have the opportunity to overcome. Revelation 3 and verse 5, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Notice, he that hath an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Are we listening? Does it matter if we overcome? Because, folks, we know if we don't overcome, we're going to be overcome by the world. Those are the only two choices. We're either going to overcome it or it's going to overcome us. First John 2, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's what's out there. That's what attracts us. It's what we want. It's not of God. But that's what the world has to offer. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof... But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We overcome. We can overcome. We can beat this deal. First Corinthians 2 verse 13, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Remember what Paul said about his preaching? Wasn't with that enticing words. He wasn't trying to sound good. He wasn't trying to appeal to our fleshly logic. Same thing he's talking about here. We're not going to speak in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So when I get up here to preach, that's why I've got 25 scriptures I want to look at. I've got a lot of wisdom I could share with y'all. But it ain't worth anything. It's what the Holy Ghost teaches us that has value. That's what's important. That's what's going to help us overcome the world. But the natural man... But the natural man don't make sense to him. That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear about how God wants me to be happy. I want to hear about how God wants me to do what I want to do. That's what we want to hear. But what Jesus said was deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Him. It ain't about what we want. But that don't make sense to the natural man. We got to leave the natural man outside somewhere else. We got to get rid of that guy. He's leading us astray. That's why we're afflicted with sin and temptation and all of these problems that we have. is because of that natural man. And we've all got one. Don't kid yourself.
But he does not receive or receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so when we preach Scripture, and when we quote Jesus saying, take up your cross and follow me, that don't make sense to that natural man. But there's spiritual benefit to doing that. Our spirit will thrive when we restrain the natural man. And that's how we'll overcome. We're never going to overcome the world when we want to be part of the world. And we want to do all that we possibly can and what we can get by with. We want to do those things. We've got to remember that's all temporary. This I say then, Paul says in Galatians 5, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. We want to do what we want to do, and that's what he's telling us here. When you follow the Spirit, when you follow the guidance that the Holy Spirit gives you, that's going to limit the things that you can do. Galatians 6 and 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We've got to restrain that flesh, that natural man, and follow the Spirit. You know, he's talking here about sowing and reaping. We're going to reap what we sow, right? And this is how we overcome the world. Follow the Spirit. Sow things to the Spirit and reap everlasting life. In Jude, verses 17 through 19... The writer says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a reminder. He said, Y'all have heard these words, and I want to bring sorry, I want to bring them to your remembrance. They were spoken by the apostles. Those guys that had the guidance of the Spirit, remember? How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. The natural man's not a big fan of the mocker. We want to kind of work with that so that we don't get mocked. Right? There's going to be mockers. And what are they doing? Why are they mocking? Why are they making fun? Why are they saying that's the craziest thing I ever heard? Who should walk after their own ungodly lust? 
We know it's the truth. Anybody that's out there doing whatever, they think everybody ought to be out there doing whatever. And if you're not out there doing whatever, you're going to get made fun of and mocked. And if you haven't experienced that, you either don't get out much, or you're just trying to blend in. And that's what I'm preaching against, in case I hadn't been clear. Notice what Jude says about these folks. These are they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. That's the natural man. He's after those things that satisfy the senses. That's why he says they're sensual. Who have they separated themselves from? God, the truth, anything good, because they have not the Spirit. We don't need to be in that place, folks. And we better heed the warning that He gives us here. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7 and 8, For God had not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. That's what God has called us to, holiness. He therefore that despiseth, notice, despiseth not man, but God. They despise God. When we reject the truth... You're not rejecting me or any other preacher or your parents or anybody else. You're rejecting God. Don't reject God. Finally, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If there were verses that we need to take with us and we need to live by, it's these. We've got to cast down imaginations in every high thing. We've got to get rid of that and bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. And as we've considered these things this morning, I hope that we'll remember the testimony and the witness of the Holy Spirit. And I hope we'll believe that. And I pray that we'll believe that and that we'll accept that. And that we'll live our life accordingly. Those are the thoughts of the morning. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for being here today. We never want to conclude a sermon without offering the Lord's invitation because... The church is here to help.
There's different ways that we can help. One of the ways that we help each other is we can pray for each other. If you have a spiritual need this morning that you would like to bring before the congregation, like for us to pray about, we want to give you the opportunity to come forward and, and make that request known. If you've been taught the gospel and you want to obey the gospel in baptism today, we want to give you the opportunity to do that as well. And that's why we sing an invitation song, so that people will have the opportunity to come and get the help that they need. So if we can help you in some way, please come as we stand and sing.